Okay, so what's up listeners? Welcome to the first session of A Kid in Life. I'm Daniel and joined with me today is Siling. Hello, I'm Siling and will be the facilitators for today. Yes, so before we begin, let me run you through some of the history of what Akin is all about. So Akin is an independent marketing firm dedicated to helping brands unearth their authentic voice and help them build meaningful relationships with their customers. The company has just clinched six awards at the Marketing Agency of the Year's Awards 2020. Uh, these are awards that recognize top-performing marketing agencies in Singapore. In this conversation, we have invited three full-time Akin staff members to provide their own lived experiences of working in an agency. Our Managing Director, Arvin, along with our marketing experts, Lingyan and Venus. Let's give them a warm round of applause. Welcome, welcome everyone. Maybe everyone can give a short introduction of yourselves. Please share your name and what you do at Akin. Arvin, would you like to start first? No, why don't Venus go first? <laughs> okay, Venus, please. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Can you hear right? Okay, I'm a marketing strategist and I've been at Akin for, I think, only nine months. So, still quite new. Um, I currently handle a couple of projects uh, ranging from integrated marketing to performance marketing um, and I'm leading the Singapore Red Cross project so that has been very fulfilling. Uh, Lingyan, you want to go next? Hi everyone, I'm Lingyan. <laughs> I'm a marketing strategist at Akin uh, for almost two years now. So as a marketing strategist, I think very similar to what Venice said. Lah. Uh, my day-to-day includes uh, account management, uh, listing a client, setting up brand and marketing campaigns. A lot of exciting stuff. Yeah, and Avin, what about you? I basically do everything else that this two doesn't do, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think day-to-day itself, we look at... Um, consulting clients coming from the either behavioral economics kind of uh, approach and or the consulting approach for digital transformation. Part of what I do is really to sign off on strategies that bring them either to be a better human brand or for a greater revenue impact to the business. Mm. Thank you, our speaker. So um, our conversation today will cover a few topics, namely the motiva- motivations behind how Akin was created. Before understanding broader topics such as the structure of agencies, debunking famous agency myths, and lastly, understanding the clients that agencies usually work with in Singapore. Yep. So before we begin our podcast, I actually like to share that we will open the floor for discussions. So our dear listeners, do keep your questions, if any, till the end when we reach our Q&A segment. So Arvin, before we begin the conversation, could you actually help lay the foundation of the entire conversation you know, by sharing with us like mainly the main motivations behind why Akin was created? Like, was it because there was a gap in the market that needs to be addressed? No, because I want to hire you, Daniel. I don't want to say that, but... <laughs> but what, Not what really, like, your, your last day today, right? So <laughs> congratulations, you are getting fired soon. <laughs> and, um, Akin was started back in 2012. I think I was actually in a... I was on a job in India. I was based there uh, as an investment analyst. Uh, so generally speaking, uh, it was really fun. I was doing about 60, 70 due diligence pieces per week. Uh, what we really wanted to do back then as an analyst is to sort out through the, uh, you know, the propensity of them getting funded, how or if they were to be invested by the investors, uh, what are the ROI, RIR, and of course, helping to manage the, AU, uh, the high AUM fund. Uh. So after a while, you know, you realize that there's a lot of common variables in terms of what makes a good business click, right? And it, it sort of you know, tickled my entrepreneurial bones a little bit and we decided to start a tech agency way back in 2012. So I came back to Singapore, I started the agency and yeah, um, I think 
it was not only about maybe five years ago, we decided to start the Akin arm. Generally speaking, it's because we see a huge gap in the whole engagement between brands and uh, businesses. Uh, that at the end of the day, it's really about the relationships, right? I mean, come on, you you have relationships with inanimate objects also, right? I mean, you love brands, for example. You love Legos, for example. All these are relationships. And that's what spur the kind of consulting framework that we, we push to market, which is basically, number one, are you human enough? Can I relate to you enough? And how do I basically create and engage you as a commun- core community member. So yeah, that, that was how Akin was born. Um, so yeah, many years later, here we are. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Like, you guys started as a tech company, but you guys realised that, you know, Kelp is too specialised. We needed that engagement with brands and therefore your transition into the uh, what Akin is today. Like, so I think that's very, very interesting. And it's what's needed like, you know, in the entrepreneur market. So uh, let's move on to the first question of the day, right? So since it's the graduation period, you know, and many university students are out there job hunting right now, I think like many of our listeners here, mainly what is the difference between in-house marketing and agency? Um, maybe Lingyan or Venus, you want to start? Uh, sure. So if you look at agency as compared to in-house marketing, um, I guess it's really two sides of the same coin. Uh, there are a lot of parallels. Uh, so I guess the main difference uh, to me, is focus. For in-house marketing, uh, marketers focus um, on the brand that you're working for. So to really achieve that specialization, uh, that understanding in a brand and also in the part of marketing that you handle uh, while you actually live and breathe your brand. Well, I think on the other hand, agencies focus on having a range of um, skill sets to be able to adapt um, strategies across different clients, different brands, different industries. Um, Venice, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I think like what uh, Ling Yen mentioned, I think a lot of times in-house team, sometimes they don't have the budget to hire a lot of specialists in the company um, that they might need. So for example, someone who specifically does only SEO or someone who only do PR uh, or someone who only does pay it. And even if they do, uh, it might not make sense, uh, especially if they don't use their skill sets constantly and consistently. But it also depends on what like the marketing strategy is, which skills are critical and you know what they can do without. So it really depends on like the size of the company, um, the marketing strategy itself, how integrated or specialized it is, and how many big campaigns they can do throughout the year. La. So if you hire a full marketing, a full service marketing agency, right, it can be seen like you're an extended arm of the company's marketing team. So for example, if you are a marketing manager uh, in an in-house firm, right, when you need to launch like a total rebrand, you might need like the brains and the help and the support of an agency to help you carry this project. Because sometimes when you are a marketing manager in-house, you when you're not specialized, you don't you just don't have the capacity to dedicate um all the time. Yeah, I think very interesting uh, what you mentioned about the, like, you know, how people are specialized in something, for example, like SEO, SEM, this kind of things, right? So I think that brings us to our, 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 our question that kind of like me and Sling also were wondering about. Uh, like with these different roles in the team, do you think that agencies actually prefer hiring someone with, like, this is what you mentioned earlier, like specific marketing skill sets, or do they actually like someone who is a more generalist? You know, like agencies tend to do so much things, do you prefer someone with various experiences in like different types of marketing? Um, Avin, do you want to take this question? Since you're the one mainly in charge of hiring, right? Yeah, I think... Uh, so, uh, look, look let's, let's put it in this way. Uh, regardless of whether it's an agency or not, as an organization, when you, when, you, when you 
when you are applying for an organization uh, for a job, it's always about the value add, right? There's three things that we will look out from the hiring perspective. Um, I'll go one, one, one big circle to answer your question. Uh, but generally, number one is the culture fit. Second is the job fit. Third is what else, right? Always the X factor. Um, very frequently, I whenever I do talks to university students, uh, I always remind them that it's not, it's not, um, we are not competing against other Singaporeans, right? We are competing with all the regional talents, and especially in today's environment where everybody understands you can work online. So it's really down to the question of what can you bring to the team, even if you are a fresh graduate. Going back to what your, your question is, right? Um, agencies would prefer hiring people who are problem solvers, able to dissect uh, complex issues down into solvable layers such that you can then prioritize how to take that forward uh, a step at a time, right? Traditionally wise, marketing, marcoms, marketing communications has always been seen as just the loudspeaker, the amplification uh, module of any business, but it's no longer true, right? Um, if you only have a marketing department right now to only do that, um, it will not be effective. You have to combine the growth sector, the, the, the innovation sector, the digital sector, um, and the, the different type of roles together, right? So in essence, I think agencies, we are looking for people with with um, the ability to learn very quickly, given how fast technology is going on. And of course, the trajectory of the person has to be within um, the whole realm of progress via marketing technologies or using marketing to solve bigger problems uh, in the marketing domain, I would feel. So most of the skills you mentioned is uh, mainly like, I guess things you can't really learn in school, right? internships and like really your overall outlook towards growth and how businesses should be right the ability to adapt fast and learn fast is, is that correct yeah generally yes i i think that's that's absolutely right it's about the agility um the ability to just map and have transferable skill sets and experience la, to bring to a any organization not just an agency person mm, I, see, I see okay so thank you speakers so, so much for answering the questions that uh that has been bothering me for the longest time ever la. um sing shall we move on to the next segment Sure, that's all the time we have for the segment on agency structure. So now let's move on to something more juicy. I bet you guys have heard many things about life in agencies. So here we are debunking some of the myths. People often consider quite some time before engaging with an agency because the cost of engaging an agency is very high. Is this actually true? Arvin, would you like to debunk or affirm this myth? I would like to volunteer Ling Yen to answer this. Uh, okay, so the myth is the cost of engaging an agency is very high. I think at the end of the day, like what Avin mentioned, it, it really boils down to, to what you're looking out for and what is the value that the agency can uh, bring. So, um, Avin, would you like to uh, elaborate based on that point? <laughs> mm, I, I think it's quite fun la, because, you know, generally speaking, uh, you speak to a client, right? Or just any business people uh, in general. What 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 do we want to do when we expand on, you know, budget? We want to maximize the value, right? In the sense of you need to know whether, you know, this is affordable. You need to know whether I will be able to get any specific return on investment. You need to have an informed decision to, to make that budgetary call or the sign off. 
Now, typically when you deal with the topic of agency versus in-house, right? Say for example, oh, I need to spend say XX dollars to get an agency. Uh, wouldn't it be better if I spend XX dollars on getting a full-time hire? So the answer is, is very, very layered and can be complex, right? Because number one itself, um, whenever we, we as an agency itself and we place a resource, it's not just one person's experience. You're you are tagging on the, the combined uh, experience of how um, marketing is done at the, at the, at the edge of um, technology and advanced, uh, the, the, the whole advancement of the whole sector in the past 10 years is its collator experience. And you have your strategy directors, you have your, your founders even, and your strategies that can help each other fulfill the brief. And that's the goal and that's the, uh, I would say, intangible benefits that you get when you engage the agency, right? Whereas as compared to if you were to take an in-house role, then that person can be fully immersed in one uh, dedicated role, but it will be restricted to one person's, um, the onset, the experience, the, the uh, amount of resources that the person can bring to the team. Right? So every time we have such uh, conversations, it's really about whether or not the client understand what challenges he or she have and how in the best um, budgetary concerned way uh, solve that issue. Right? So I guess at the end of the day, the, you know, there's no one direct answer, but that would be how I approach this, this question. Right? Actually, that's quite interesting. So you mentioned how like most of your clients, they, it really ultimately lies whether the clients understand whether they have the needs. So have you ever met clients whereby they don't know what they want, you know, when they actually approach you, it's like, we have this problem, we don't know how to solve it, can you solve it for us? Like, kind of or is it really like they don't know anything to come up with and find you guys? <laughs> a lot, like, a lot. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of clients who are like that. And that's the thing about our being in our role, right? We are, we are there because we help companies figure out what they don't know. So it's, it's okay if they do not know like what they eventually need, but what is critical is that the trust and the, the relationship that you have with the client to be able to help him unpick more things as time goes by. Lah. So that's, I think it's more important than having a very, very detailed brief. Of course, if you don't even know what you want and what you can have, just like if you really don't know what you want to buy and then you walk in the NTOC, you probably will end up with like the wrong things or like things that you don't need, right? And then you regret, right? It's, it's, the, it's the same thing at, at the end of the day. It's about um, a proper brief will get you proper solutions. If not, then you're looking for consultancy to try to figure out what, what you need I, yeah, as a client. I see, I see. Then actually, uh, so, so talking about cost, right? Cost of agencies. Then since you're talking a lot about trust, do you think that sometimes um, the cost of okay, so I believe that companies are very... Uh, nitty-gritty about the amount of money they pay to engage this kind of agencies. So sometimes like, it could be like you, you can be charging $100 for a service but competitors can be charging maybe $999 or like nine eighty, and then that could give them the job instead of uh, you guys, right? So do you think trust plays a very crucial factor in like getting you guys that, that job instead? Or is it mainly just cost, you know, dollars and cents ultimately? I think ultimately trust is something that you need to build um along the, the time that you work with the clients. Now, I don't think a lot of clients, um, they will tend to trust newer agencies or younger agencies. Um, we have gotten feedback from clients like, you know, we're too young, but it's all about, you know, the competition and building relationships is definitely not easy la, with clients, but it's always um, a work in progress. And once you, you know, you gain, you gain the trust of the client, right? Um, you know, your reputation will will be better la, and and word of mouth really helps. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think that's very very interesting. Like word of mouth, what you mentioned just now. I think something stuff that that answered the queries in my head, lah. So I I really hope that this also helps all our listeners who are actually considering this kind of like partnership with agencies. Like, why do you consider an agency and you no know, really like when to take an agency? You know, especially when the cost could be possibly high, right? So now let's move on to myth number two. Sling. Um. So this myth. Um. I think firstly, there's no such thing as an easy job. But I get why people say that agency life is tough. La. I think I've, I've heard that ever since I was a student as well. You know, the long hours, the potentially toxic environment that leads to burnout, the competitive nature, and these may all be true. And I just think it's how the nature of the industry has grown to become. La. And nowadays, actually, a lot of people are disagreeing on a lot of things. If you just do a quick search on LinkedIn, um, strategists like Mark Pollard, um, uh, Steve Walls, they, they're always addressing about the burnout issue because they come very, from a very creative standpoint. Um, so I think people are trying to change things and as much as advertising is a, is a very fast-paced world that should keep up with the time, right? I think ironically, the culture just somehow hasn't changed yet. But these are all part and parcel of the agency world that people will experience at some point in their career. Lah. Because this is an industry which is led by creativity, right? And not a lot of people get it. Not a lot of people will even appreciate it. But I think it's one of the most fulfilling, especially if you love uh, the marketing and advertising world. You know, firstly, you get to wear a lot of hats. Um, you get to be creative. You you work with teammates who are like brilliant um, at what you do. So it's, it's definitely a career that has to be driven by passion. If not, it's going to be even harder to be working in an agency. Lah. So... Uh, for people who want to get into this industry, you know, you have to find the right team. Try and find somewhere that has a culture that you, that you feel that fits you best. Lah, and you will thrive as an individual and also as a, as a team. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Stepping into the working world is definitely not easy for everyone. So um, that brings us to our next myth. So since Akin is the boutique agency and there are many other bigger agencies, in fact, there is a misconception that only big marketing agencies can deliver results. So is this a myth or not? Um, Lingyan, would you like to share? Uh, <laughs> we do hear that around quite a lot, um, that big marketing agencies are preferred. La. But I think the main thing is, um, going back to what I said earlier, is to really look at the end goal. So what kind of results does your company want to achieve? So for I think for bigger agencies, just like for... Um, any bigger company, there are usually extended teams or like dedicated departments. So what this means is probably a larger range of services, more specialized offerings. I think while um, on the other hand, while many smaller agencies do not offer uh, maybe like a full range of services, uh, a lot actually focus on one aspect of the advertising process. So for example, being known as a creative agency, social media agency, etc. And I think another point is that um, Small agencies are also typically described as more flexible, more nimble. So it really depends on what you're looking for. And um, one last point to, that is very important is money. La. So uh, the agency's price point, um, while it doesn't mean that uh, smaller agencies are cheaper or vice versa, I think you need to see whether you're getting the value of uh, what you're paying for. So I think that's more important. Uh. Actually, can I ask what exactly do you mean by like more nimble and more flexible and how that actually is a, a positive benefit actually? 
think given uh, smaller agencies with lower headcount, uh, I mean, not just agencies, like, I think smaller companies, uh, especially at Akin, where we have like a very um, startup culture, uh, things move very fast. So uh, there are less like red tapes, less hierarchies. Um, so it is really about collaboration. So I think in that case, when, for example, if client wants something, um, turnover uh, very quickly. Uh, I think for smaller agencies, it's maybe easier. Uh, I would say, I mean, in general, uh, but I think we are more flexible, more nimble uh, to, to client requests and things like that. I see, I see. Oh, thank you so much, Nian. And thank you all our speakers for debunking these myths, you know. And I guess we really hope now our audience right now have a better picture of what an agency really does. So, um, shall we move on to our third segment, where we can hopefully discuss a bit more about the clients that uh, marketing agencies work with. So, do you think that marketing agencies tend to have a preference for the clients from a certain industry? Maybe Vinice can share about this. I think it all depends on where the company wants to head towards to, and also depends on what kind of passion or interest um, the team members have. La. So, I think for Akin... Um, where our company is heading towards is more towards tech clients because firstly, they understand tech and digital. They love things to be churned out fast, which is uh, like what Lingye mentioned, is our nimbleness. It's one of our USP. La. So I think these clients, I guess they tend to be a bit more open to new ideas, especially when it comes to using more advanced or more updated tech tools. La. So for us at Akin, we love proposing solutions that are very data-driven, you know, being able to track, you know, every single performance or, or users, just to understand, like, the effectiveness of our methods. Um, and we always appreciate clients who, uh, this is not just for any specific industry, but I think in general, when clients treat us like partners, so like what I mentioned uh, earlier about being an extended arm of the, their team, right? So when they want to achieve something, we, you know, we want to make sure that we are on the same page with them and we see the same goals as them. Um, and for us, I think on the other spectrum, I think the team is very passionate about non-profit brands as well, you know, just giving back to society. So we have a lot of clients in the past um, whose whole purpose is just to give back to Singapore, help different uh, groups, and just in general, people who are in the social space. But of course, I think it's good to have like a diverse set of uh, team members who are knowledgeable and passionate about different industries um, based on our own personal interests as well so we don't restrict like the capabilities of the company la. Um, I think with that said that there are clients who want agencies who are very very specialized because um, they feel like you've been in the industry long enough to understand like the competitors uh, the market and the client through and through but at the end of the day I think it's about the synergy um, that you want to find between your own interests, your own passion, uh, that of the company and the team, and the type of clients you prefer working for. And I think after many years, right, you tend to see the same type of clients uh, choosing the same agencies over and over again because, because the agencies have already built their expertise. So, uh, and sometimes it's about how the agency brands themselves also. So for example, I think it's, it's quite known that DDB and Ogilvy are very known to be the go-to agency for government clients. Um, then about how agency brands themselves, I think TWA also has um, a, like a health arm to show their expertise uh, in the consumer health industry. La. 
So I think ultimately it still boils down to how your company performs, how the team performs, and whether you're favored and recognized by clients and industry like, to help to build your repertoire. Well, actually, those are very, very good points. I think I like the point about what you mentioned about the... I think as in the agency, you like to be treated with like respect, right? Like to be seen as partners. I think that's a very, very nice, very interesting point. I think one question I had was that when you mentioned like how you preferred, uh, agencies kind of preferred tech companies, uh, I think one thing I realized is that uh, SMEs and like a lot of the smaller medium companies in Singapore, they the bigger the bulk of Singapore, right? I want seventy or sixty percent, but most of them are still very traditional. You know, some of them like I guess most of them have not really adopted tech, and these companies are the ones I guess that will be approaching most of our agencies to actually get uh help. Uh, so how do you guys actually deal with these kind of clients then? Since they're they're not open to tech yet, they're like totally what they call the boomers, right? They don't know anything in regards to this kind of technology. How do you guys deal with them then? Yeah, I think we we do get um such clients and um I think we also have to understand that not everybody is very open to very advanced solutions at the moment. Some of them really just need the basics to be set up. You know, the basics of even Google Analytics being implemented on their website. So I think for these clients, it's a lot on our end to want to educate them about why they should do such things and why digital transformation is, is a big thing la, and why they need to get on it. I think it's also part of our responsibility as a consultant agency to, to educate them on these things also. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, like, I guess I guess really is the education of like teaching this kind of clients in the market. Then uh back to my another point, but you know you mentioned how that uh, some companies actually look for like specialists because they could know the competitors in the market. So I, I would like to think like that many companies hesitate to outsource their marketing to agencies. But do you really think it's the main cause of it is because these agencies lack uh, domain knowledge? Uh yeah, I, I could. Um I don't think it's that companies hesitate to outsource. La. Uh, it's always a balance, la, like what I mentioned previously, about number one, the cost, uh, and number two, what specifically is the challenge, right? So, end of the day, we, we I'll, give, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have $1,000, right, to do your advertising. You go to an agency, they'll probably take uh, 30 to 40% for management fee, correct? Because they need to do it for you and execute for you. So would you as a company rather that you go to market with the $1,000 directly to advertising, not knowing whether it's the best practice, not knowing certain benchmark or like the best creative um, and content assets to go out with, right? Hence affecting your, your outcome, right? Or you go to an agency where they take a management fee, that, but they are primed to do this on a more you know, uh, measured and effective manner. So as a, as a business, you have to see what's your priorities, what's the values, uh, what are some of the principles that, that they hold true to um, the, that situation. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's because they think agencies lack domain knowledge. In fact, they know agencies have domain knowledge. The question of balance, balancing that advantage in terms of knowledge and benchmark versus efficiencies, um, that is a bigger question than most I would say businesses are grappling or to understand. Okay, so on top of that, do you have any like interesting clients that you have encountered so far or maybe like any stories that you would like to share? Uh, interesting clients. Uh, I guess the, the first client or rather project that popped into my mind uh, is a rebranding and marketing project uh, we did or rather is currently doing for 
uh, one of the largest funeral parlors in Singapore. Uh, so it's very interesting. I mean, how do you even market like funerary services, right? You you can't go up to someone or even have like a Facebook ad to ask people, hey, do you want a coffin? I mean, you eventually need a coffin, right? Uh, yeah, so I think especially when death and, and funerals are such taboo topics in our society, um, how do we actually go about looking at the branding of this? How do we um, enhance the perception of death among the public? So I think to me, it's it's extremely fresh and exciting to to look at the nuances surrounding um, topics and conversations around death. Uh, not just death, uh, pre-death and post-life planning. So uh, it's always great to be able to gain new perspectives from our clients um, and learn new things along the way. So yeah, that's particularly interesting to me. Well, actually, that, that's really interesting. Because death very pantang, right, you know, in Singapore. I mean, to get to talk about death is well, not, not easy. I guess it's really not easy. So um, on, the, on that note, how do you deal with this kind of like, difficult clients? Or do you have any of these kind of difficult clients? Difficult clients, I, I would say, um, uh, I mean, for the funeral parlor, uh, that was a challenging one. Uh, if you're asking about difficult clients in terms of um, uh, the typical, uh, the golden question, like how do you deal with difficult clients, uh, I think it, it goes back to understanding, uh, knowing and remembering that regardless of like being on the client side or being uh, as an agency point of view, at the end of the day, uh, we want what's best for the brand, for our companies. So if your client is being difficult, um, you can ask yourself why. Uh, what are some challenges? What are some pain points that uh, your client is facing? Are you able to solve it? Um, are you able to achieve it to achieve like, um, address it to achieve like common understanding? So... This sounds really like a romantic relationship, right? So I, I would guess um, communication is key. La. Don't take things personally. Uh, try to build rapport through empathy. Yeah, I think for me, that's how I deal with difficult clients. Actually, okay, it's true. La, it's true that like, communication is key. But has it ever been a moment right, where, where you met a client so difficult, right? It's like really very hard to meet what they want. They're demanding too much. Then you decided, you know, as an agency, then you know what? Just... Let's can them off. Is, is, has it ever happened? Uh, maybe Avi, <laughs> you would like to take this question. <laughs> um, yes, I think Daniel, that the point was about um, dif- difficult clients, right? Like difficult scenarios as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's always there's always just like what Lydia mentioned, law in in a, even in the marriage in the marriage itself when there's issue, then how to deal with it, right? Especially when we have already been contracted to do ABCD and say, for example, for whatever reasons or unforeseen circumstances, you are not able to deliver that. So you, you have to find a way to deconflict. You have to find a way to compromise and to get to a next state of understanding. Let's just put it this way. On a professional setting, nobody wants to quarrel for the sake of quarreling. Um, and there are times where people will just be like, you know, look, this is something that I'm happy with, but I'm more interested in the way forward. Right? It's, 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 everybody is like that. So at the end of the day, it's not about like being, being professional. It's about all of us are here for a shared goal. That's why we are speaking, right? Be it whether it's a vendor, client, or co-creation point of view. So go back to the fundamentals, solve the issues, try to find the next step. That will usually solve almost all of the questions. Unless, of course, you know, there's like outrageous um, cases of like, say, uh, um, 
you know, sort, some sort of emotional abuse and or um, just being very unfair or not respectful of um, other people and stuff like that. That could happen both from the vendor or the client or the agency point of view, by the way, right? And those things have to be addressed, which is why I think team culture as well as the ethics of conducting business is, is absolutely very important. Oh, that, that, those are good, very good points, actually. Yeah, team culture, and yeah, it considered that. But then, uh, what, what about, for example, clients that, let's say, they... Uh, let's say they get... For example, you guys do a certain project, right? Then, like, the vendor that you're helping kind of, like, ask you to, no, you know, out of your project scope, but it requires you guys to do more things. Is it usually a very common occurrence? Or is that um, once in a blue moon, that kind of stuff? This is a very common symptom called scope creep. <laughs> uh, again, la, it's the same thing, right? Um, I love to use marketing examples, like going to the market, market examples. You go to the food store, you have $10, you buy three pairs, and then auntie say, ah, boy, you're very handsome, like, give you one tomato, you're happy or not? Or like, if you buy like from this auntie that's really have very nice like um, pairs and you purchase them, but you notice that the neighbor store actually sell even larger pairs. And you're just asking the auntie, hey, auntie, can you give me one more, since yours is smaller than that, that shop, when it's the same thing. Both buyer and seller will always have expectations. Right? It's about managing expectations. And it's always back to give and take. If you want to be so calculative, regardless of what job you do, uh, you have to be very uh, aware that being calculative will not get you um, to a relational aspect. Transactional is always something which is prime less than relational. Right? So that's how I answer that question. Right? I see. So would you think that scope creep is something that plays not just agencies but everywhere, lah, right? Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think all these stuff that you guys shared are, are not easy skills to master. I think it's really like through experience, like, you know, mess up a few times, then get scolded, then after a while then, you know, get better at these kind of things. And I guess this really makes I think these are skills that I sort of learned uh, right here in Akin and it makes life so much more exciting. Yep, so I think now we're drawing close to the end of our conversation. I think it's time to open the floor to our listeners. Uh, does anyone have any questions they would like to ask? Sling, is there any hands raised? Okay, I think Nicolette has a question. I'll invite her as a speaker. Um, hi, so because uh, currently I'm a comms undergrad and um, I'm looking towards uh, agency or in-house and I'm not very sure like which is a better option. So what would you guys say like for a fresh grad is a better um, option in-house or agency um, Lee and you want to take this question since you have been through that path <laughs> <laughs> agency okay, no, uh, it really depends on what you want um, so I think for myself I chose agency because uh, as my first job uh, out of university I wanted uh, my priority was exposure so I wanted to be exposed to different industries, different clients. Um, and, and yes, like, I mean, over the two years, I did. Uh, even even going down to very, very technical, uh, like B2B, um, technology, electrical stuff. I think all those uh, really gives a lot of exposure to be able to, to gain that adaptability and flexibility. So I think at the end of the day, um, ask yourself, uh, if you're an undergrad, what kind of skills do you want to, to learn uh, in your first job or not even your first job your whole career what kind of skills do you want to learn uh, if it's something more specialized like if you have a brand that you love uh, then sure go into in-house marketing um, like lift a brand 
Um, but I think for agency, for myself at least, I really appreciated the the exposure and and the different kind of skill sets lah, um, and adaptability also. Yeah, maybe Venus, you like to share, um, why you chose agency also? I think it's the same reason as you like. I couldn't decide which industry, uh, I wanted to stick to, and I just wanted to try out uh the different skill sets lah. Yeah, I think until now, I still haven't found an industry that I really want to dedicate my time to or like commit to. But um, I think in the agency world, you you get the exposure of uh, any industry that comes into your way. So it's always like a constant challenge, right? Um, suddenly you get like a shipping company or like suddenly you get an electrical company. You're like, oh my God, shit, I need to go and, I need to go and like research um, and really go and understand how the, the entire market works. Yeah. Right, okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Nicolette, for your question. Uh, I see that Rachel res- raised your hand. Hi, uh, so I was just wondering, I'm actually a marketing executive. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Um, my question actually is, do you use a standard procedure while approaching every project? No, I'll take that on. Um, uh, okay, so let's talk about chaos. <laughs> um, the thing about that is uh, uh, the, the reason why I say about chaos is because every business is different, every environment is different as well. But what we want to do is to have a sort of systematic way to organize that chaos away so that we know how to find the steps towards our objective, right? So the structured way of thinking is yes, there's a certain process, brief creation, for example, dissecting a brief. By brief, I mean challenge that the client passed to you. For example, look, Arvin, I want to generate $10 million in sales. How do I do it? Or look, Alvin, I need to have a brand awareness campaign to tell people of this national education campaign, which is what we do for many government clients. Or another challenge could be, I need to digitally transform my own business. I don't know how to create an e-commerce site, right? So at the agency itself, we have a Taurus system to break the briefs down, understand how we can value add, and of course, working with different stakeholders to come up with that one strategy that can bring them from point A to point B. Right? So that's the, that's the so, so-called structure and systematic way. But, but the unorganized chaos way is we will never know what is the elements and the variables within the company that we are helping. Uh, how much difficulty do they have? Like, like earlier on, someone, someone also mentioned the fact that some com- companies may not want to adopt technology. Right? Um, whether or not their in-house resources is able to manage whatever they've created or whether or not they have even the right stakeholders to push forward the project and sponsor the project right so generally speaking uh there's always a a a framework to approach all marketing challenges um, as to how you bring that framework and contextualize it further and that will really depend on how the company is what's the environment both internal and external and then what are the goals by itself so yeah generally that's what i i I would say in the sense of uh, is there like a structure to like marketing per se. Okay, thank you so much. Sounds very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I see that Claire has a hands raised. Uh, hi. Hello. Yeah, so what is an important skill for a marketer in an agency? Uh, important? <laughs> important skill for a marketer in an agency? Uh... I would say tenacity. Okay, la, no, la, no, la. adaptability would be my answer. I think adaptability 
is very important. Uh, like what you mentioned earlier, uh, we work with a lot of different clients and different industries. So, um, sometimes you'll be put in situations where, where you really don't understand what the client um, um, industry is and, and, and you really need that kind of flexibility and adaptability to learn uh, and also because things are very fast moving especially um, I think in agencies uh, uh, you really need that, that kind of um, um, uh, you need to adapt around uh, to the different skill sets sometimes you may be, be put into especially for small agencies you may be put into uh, different uh, roles and, and yeah I think that's where uh, um, grow the most up. So, yeah. Um, maybe I'll be would you like to share in a perspective of a boss. <laughs> what is an important skill? Uh, honestly, uh, end of the day, uh, you just need to know, like, you have to be very curious. I feel that being curious is um, a necessary skill set even, right? Not, not talking about, like, personality or characteristic. Um, if you're not curious, you won't find out more about things, read out more about things, more happenings, and how that relates, right? The, the whole thing about marketing is, is, is not, we are not in sales, we are not selling things. It's about understanding decision journeys that allow us to really create impact and drive uh, you know, awareness and or a specific impact down uh, for the client and for the business or services. And if used, um, in, the, in the right way, like for example, we are managing Red Cross's uh, blood donation program, right? We're trying to get more youths to come down to donate blood. And, and these are things and impact that, that would be actually quite uh, important to have. So if, for example, a person is not curious, then we are not able to juxtapose any of those social cultural norms, understanding more on why people think the way they do, and then creating great creatives that's able to attract their attention. So that's that. Thank you. Actually, um, on, on Claire's question, I have a question. Like, what, I mean, what, what are some advice you would give to like, fresh grads, like, like people like uh, Nicolette, like, who asked the question just now, and, and Claire too, like, what advice would you give them when searching for jobs? Because I guess, for myself, right, I'm going to be, uh, I, I have gonna, I'm going to graduate soon too. Sometimes I feel, you know, I don't really know what the working world requires. So it's like skills that I have, I'm not sure whether it will be enough to get hired, you know. So what, what advice you will give us? Uh, get a good first company. Uh, to be very honest, uh, uh, your, your professional life restarts and starts only upon your first job. Um, if you're not in the right place that allows you to grow in, in whatever way that you envision, then you're just limiting yourself and losing years lah, of, of time. Lah. That's, that's one thing that's important. Um, a lot of my conversation at my era with HR managers, we are texting each other to say, hey, do you know this person? Do you know that person? How has working with this person been? And I get more than you think I would, right? I get more than two, three referrals or references uh, per week. It's, it's a lot, you know. So we always do look at how has the person fed through the years, uh, how long each person has been in each company, what is that perceived sense of... Um, growth and achievement so if if you're worrying about you don't know what to bring to the company i think that's perfectly fine and it's, it's an ongoing journey right what you want to first be very um sure of it's 
uh, to learn fast and to be able to be uh, acquiring a lot of, I would say, the necessary skill sets right from the first job onwards. That, that would be even more important. So don't worry, go ahead, find a good place with good culture and a place that allows you to fail. Learn as fast as you can and see how you want to plan your, your three to five years trajectory. True. Thank you so much, you know, uh, Arvin, for the advice. Three to five years trajectory. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I need to sit down and really think about that also. Yep, I, I guess really thank you, uh, all our speakers. Uh, so, yeah, are there any more questions or, or hands raised before we move on? Oh, I don't think there are any. Yeah. Okay, then I'll just sum up the entire uh, session. So today, we actually talked about the motivations behind uh, how Akin was created, the structure of agencies, such as like, the differences between in-house and agency marketing. We also debunked famous agencies' myth. And lastly, got to hear some of the tips and stories with regards to client management agencies. Uh, Arvin, Lingyan, and Venice also gave us very valuable uh, tips with regards to like important skills that we need in an agency and what they actually considered before they actually started their careers. Or so, and I think it's very interesting. And before we end off the, ses- the session, we would like to thank our speakers from Akin, Arvin, Lingyan, and Vinice for joining us in today's session. Also, if you're interested to join us for future sessions, follow us here on Clubhouse or on Instagram at HelloAkin, H-E-L-L-O-A-K-I-N, or follow our LinkedIn at Akin. Yep, and our team at Akin Life would like to end off our session with a quote by Joe Chanel. Good marketing makes the company look smart, but great marketing makes the customer feel smart. A keen life, be alive. See you guys again next month. Peace. Bye. 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 Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone.